Boy, that America the Beautiful always touches my heart as I reflect on God's goodness to us. I've long been convinced that the operating principle of authority and submission to authority is the glue which holds societies together. Scripture teaches that man is not basically good, as we hear folks say that he is, but it's just, in fact, the opposite. Every mortal was born with a selfish base nature. We want our own way. I want my way in my flesh. You want your way. And if left to ourselves without restrictions, it's amazing what people will do to one another. Submission to authority structures preserves order and diminishes chaos in a civilization. Of course, a person's ultimate submission is to God himself. We understand that. But we recognize that most people live in rebellion against God and without repentance, each of those will one day enter into eternal judgment. But not only is there a vertical authority between God and mankind, God has also established human authority structures. And I want us to be reminded of that from Romans chapter 13. If you'd make your way to Romans chapter 13, preached this text years ago, reworked it some this week. And that as followers of Christ, we would understand that our heartfelt submission to our human authorities is only possible, really. Notice I said our heartfelt submission is only possible because we recognize that we're actually submitting to the Lord. And so a message that I've titled Saintly Submission to the Savior Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. If you would make your way to Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever, therefore, resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves condemnation or judgment or damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, an avenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For, for this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. What are the horizontal authority structures God has established. I um, reckon that there are five authority structures. For the believer, the motivation is to submit to human authorities because it's first submission to Christ. And just by way of review of these five authority structures, we understand that there is civil authority, and that's what this text is discussing. It's talking about civil authority, government and 
its citizens. And I'm going to be sharing about that in the length of this message. The, another authority structure is spiritual authority between elders or pastors and the laity. Uh, scripture also speaks to that. Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. There is spiritual authority outlined in scripture. There's also marital authority between husband and wife. Ephesians 5, wives submit yourselves. It's in the middle voice. You do the submitting wives. You yourselves submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And so again, we see that submission is first and foremost. Uh, we recognize that it's unto Christ. It's a saintly submission to him in submitting to our human authority. There's parental Authority. That's another authority structure between parents and children. Ephesians 6 1, many of you children, it was the first verse that you learned. It was the first verse, verse my children learned. And uh, all of our teenagers and children can certainly quote Ephesians 6 1. Let's say it together in a big, robust voice. Children, in the Lord, for this is right. Good. Children, obey your parents in the Lord or as unto the Lord. That's the fourth authority structure. And then there's vocational authority between employer and employee. Colossians 3.22 says, servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, that is your human masters, not with eye service as men pleasers, that is not just when they're watching, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And so we see all of these authority structures. And this being the weekend of celebrating our nation's 229th birthday, I want us to be reminded of what it means to be a Christian in our society, specifically in how we relate to government. And so this is for all of us. If you name the name of Christ, if you identify yourself and folks know that you are a follower of Christ, this is for you really from tiny to 90. It's for all of us to understand that um, we have a submission to the Lord as we yield to government authority. And I'd like to give three main points with some sub points under it. If you're taking notes, first of all, the generalities of submission. Verse one, it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers or uh, unto the authorities for there is no power, but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whether we're talking about the family, the church, or in this case, society at large, there are those people who are in authority and there are those who are to submit to authority. And the proper expression of authority and submission is really critical for any organization. And certainly that would be the case in our nation. And it's also critical for our testimony as believers. A couple of thoughts under that we see in verse one. First of all, God has commanded respect for authority. That's what he says right there. Let every soul be subject. As with any type of submission, young people, any type of submission, it's not just doing what you're supposed to do because you're supposed to do it. That's obedience. But submission speaks of a heart attitude. It is saying, in essence, God, you have ordained authority. You're the one who has brought this to pass. And so as a yielded uh, servant uh, of yours, I'm going to uh, fit right into this and I'm going to do so willingly and knowingly because I know it honors you and it enhances my testimony of being one of your children. 
God has commanded respect for authority. This is what Paul told um, Pastor Titus when Titus was pastoring the church at Crete on the island of Crete. It says in Titus 3.1, put them in mind, that is the people, to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. In other words, uh, as you're going about your life in society, obey, yield, submit to those institutions God has allowed to come over you in a societal sense, obeying and respecting that authority. Believers are never to function with eye service or as men pleasers. That is just obeying when the, um, when the radar trap is there, teenagers. That's not, uh, that's not yielding to God. That's not submitting to the Savior. That I'm only going to obey the traffic laws when I know that there is a radar trap up there. That is doing it with men as a men pleaser or with eye service. And scripture says, no, we're not to do that. First Peter 2.13 tells us how we're supposed to do that. Take down these notes, write down these references. First Peter 2.13, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. We're doing it because we are submitting unto him. He has commanded respect for authority. And it's interesting. Look at verse one. It's interesting that this text says, let every soul. Uh, the research that I've done uh, seems to be suggesting that even though this is written to the Romans, the apostle Paul is saying all people, believers and unbelievers are accountable uh, to God's ordained authority. God holds the lost uh, accountable to submit, to obey, just as he does a believer. And so a general point of submission is God has commanded respect. And secondly, God created the rule of authority. Uh, The reason for submission is that God has established it. He has ordained it. Um, The rule of government in our lives was his idea. Now look at verse one. That's what it very clearly says. It says, any power that exists, any power that exists anywhere, even evil powers, even those which, who are ungodly. In other words, the third Reich, God has said, I'm going to bring this to pass. And he's, he's brought it to pass um, uh, beyond our ability to comprehend probably. And uh, the rule of uh, Saddam Hussein in Iraq for however long it was, he has allowed that to exist. He created civil authority. He didn't qualify it by saying only God fearing authority have I created. No, There isn't any authority that has been raised up that he has not, in fact, put in place to have jurisdiction over us, over us. And Daniel recognized that Daniel understood that when King Nebuchadnezzar uh, was ruling, um, Daniel told him that God is the one who sets up rulers and he dethrones them. And you'll remember when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate and he was being interrogated, Jesus was, and uh, Pontius Pilate said to him, don't you know, Jesus, that I have power to release you or I have power to crucify you? I can do what I want with you, man, and you better pay attention and you better straighten up here. That's what Pilate was saying to Jesus. And you remember in John 19, 11, Jesus said, thou couldst have no power except it were given you from above. And so Jesus was saying, that's right. You do have power, Pilate. You could do this and you could legitimately do it because you are the ruler in this area, but you only have that power because God has uh, given you that rule. And so the general generalities of it is that we're to respect authority and God has given that authority over us. Secondly, in verses two through five, 
some specifics, a couple of specifics about um, this authority and the parameters uh, of the, the, this principle of submission to uh, civil authority. And first of all, in verse two, we see God has denounced resistance to authority. He said, there's not to be. Look at verse two. Now this is strong stuff. This is written to the, the believing church at Rome in the, right? It'd be like Washington, D.C. in our day. I mean, this is the center of world power. Uh, these folks had received this. And it says there in verse two, don't anyone resist that power. Don't resist the ordinance of God. And if you do, there's going to be <clears throat> judgment coming your way. <clears throat> this text <clears throat> is included because of our natural reactions. <clears throat> we don't like being told what to do. Man wants to rule himself and even committed believers would be tempted to justify resistance to government authority because of how corrupt it is. For instance, uh, well, uh, Mr. Policeman, I've seen you racing up and down the road. And so who are you to tell me what to do? I think I'll do my own thing. I mean, we're tempted to feel that way. We are, we are drawn to that. And the scripture says, do not resist authority God has placed over you. Look at verse two. It says, if you do, you're going to receive to yourselves. You're inviting into your own home. You're welcoming into your own lap, as it were, judgment or damnation. Now that word is not dealing with salvation. What it's dealing with is the authority God has given government to punish evildoers. Oh, you want to resist the authority? Then you are welcoming that traffic ticket. You are welcoming that prison sentence if you do that. Uh, God is saying, I am allowing government authority that I've raised up to, um, for jurisdiction over lives. If you resist that authority, then you might as well uh, give them a, give them an invitation, a written invitation to come and hassle your life, to incarcerate you, to fine you, to penalize you in some way, because you are doing that to yourself. God is very serious about this issue of resisting authority. Also, God determined the roles of authority. Verses uh, three through the first part of verse five, it talks about rulers and, and what their role is. They're not a terror to good works. They're a terror to evil. They're a minister to thee of God, verse four, for good. They're the avenger of wrath and they don't do it in vain. God's plan is that government would execute punishment. They would, they would bring the punishment upon lives and it would not be done in vain. It would have teeth in it. It wouldn't just be a, a, paper, a paper tiger, I think as it's called, but it would have real teeth in what they are able to do. God has only ordained civil government in this way and they have a two-part role. The first part, the first role <clears throat> says it helps law-abiding citizens to leave peaceful lives. Verse three, uh, first part of verse three, it says, for rulers are not a terror to good works. If you are law abiding, if you respect and honor civil government, in most cases, you're going to live a quiet and peaceable life. And that's what first Peter two, two says. First Peter two, two says that we're to pray for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty for this as good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Now, I think I've told this story before. I think I told it years ago. When my kids were little, <clears throat> the last speeding ticket I ever received, that I recall anyway, was a long time ago. I didn't receive one for many years. And then I got one. Oh, let's see. Priscilla's 16. 
Priscilla, do you remember when they stopped me up there? You were, I think you were too little. You're probably three. <clears throat> this is 12, 13, 14 years ago. <clears throat> well, Adam and Susie were like eight, eight or nine years old, seven, eight or nine years old, something like that. And I got stopped by a policeman. And uh, Pam's uh, there next to me in the in the, uh, the front seat. And we had a station wagon. The four kids are in the back and they're all in their car seats or seat belts. I mean, we are just we are the model family. We're just driving. You know, I'm I'm, I'm at 10 and two, you know, on the steering wheel and <clears throat> doing just right. Well, I get pulled over by a policeman and I did not have a clue why. Well, immediately, uh, I think Betsy was probably about three or four at the time. She burst into tears. She just knows I'm going to get shot to death. You know, or something bad is going to happen. Adam is, you know, he's like, he, man, he's really into this. He's intrigued by this. Oh, great. I've always seen this happen. I always wonder what would happen. And so everyone's having a different uh, reaction and I'm not knowing why I'm getting pulled over. So um, we were coming home, I think from a Sunday night service or uh, somehow we'd been up here. Um, I think I was the associate pastor at the time. And uh, yeah, I was. And um, I had my Bible, this very Bible, sitting on the front seat right next to me. And uh, I don't know why I got this in my mind, but the policeman came up, asked for my driver's license, and I said, uh, I, I'm really puzzled of why I'm being stopped. He says, well, do you know how fast you're going? I said, I believe when I saw your lights, I, was, I looked and I was going 36. He says, you were going 37. I said, okay, I'm thinking it's a 35 zone. And he says, this is a 25 mile an hour school zone. Well, I didn't have with God as my witness, I didn't have any idea that I was in a 25. And I told him as much. Of course, he's heard that story a hundred times a, a, a month, I'm sure. I really didn't. So he's going back and he's, he's looking up all the information and whatnot, calling in. And I didn't look too threatening with a wife and four little children in the car. Um, and uh, I grabbed my Bible and I turned to Romans 13. And he comes back to the car. And I'm standing, sitting there on the driver's seat with my Bible. Not to impress him because I made sure that I wasn't going to do this until he was, had already decided what he was going to do. So I didn't want to try to manipulate. And so he's giving me a ticket. And I said, can I share something real quick? I read this text to him. And uh, I said, sir, what this text means is that you are a minister to me for good in our society. And I said it very Genuinely, I wasn't being a wise guy at all. I want you to know I appreciate your God-given authority and I'm thankful that you are here and that you are helping conduct and lead an orderly society. And he just looked at me like I was from Mars. <laughs> like he, and he says, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, he didn't have any idea what to say or to think about this, uh, this whatever that, I mean, he'd probably never heard of Romans 13. It didn't look like he had. The first role that we have is, or that law-abiding citizens, citizens uh, have is that uh, authority allows us to have peaceable lives. The second role is that to be exercised is that namely vengeance. The second role is vengeance. It's to help us lead a peaceable life or it is to exact vengeance. And Romans 12, 19 tells us, that believers are not to seek vengeance. I remember when my dad, brother, and sister were killed uh, by, uh, by just a derelict um, nearly 20 years ago. And I was interviewed by a, a TV station. And how am I going to respond? And what am I going to do? And how am I going to act? And my answer was very clear and unequivocal. I'm going to pray for that person, that lost person, who's a derelict in society, and trust that God will be merciful uh, to his soul, and he'll come to know Christ, and he'll be in heaven one day. Well, yeah, but you're not going to try to, to do anything? I said, I'm looking for government the government authority to, in fact, have a, uh, a vengeful 
response as they are supposed to against evildoers. We're not to coddle evildoers. And what are we thinking as a nation that we coddle and, um, and try to help feel comfortable those who would be derelicts in society? Scripture says that God-given authority is to uh, exact his vengeance against evil deeds. And so basically the role of government is to protect law-abiding citizens and to punish evil doers. And in fact, civil authority does curb evil to a degree um, because of the fear of, uh, of punishment. But only the gospel can change lives. Folks, I'm not looking for government to change a heart. That's not the role of government. Government isn't supposed to do that. Government is to, supposed to protect those who are law-abiding and punish those who are not, period. That's it. The role of the church is to communicate the truth, which will change hearts. Amen. And so let's stop looking to sanctify our nation by voting in laws or politicians who um, maybe can um, can do something. uh, It's not going to change a heart. The specifics. Thirdly, the practice of submission. How do you actually um, go about doing it? How is it practically played out? And how is it to be practically played out? The end of verse five through verse seven gives us a couple of ways. First of all, God has instructed that remuneration or payment be given to those who are, who are in authority. In other words, you are supposed to pay taxes. You are supposed to pay uh, customs and tariffs and all the rest. Scripture tells us right here that you, well, not only do we submit um, uh, because uh, we don't uh, because of fear of wrath, but also for conscience sake. And because of that, verse six, we pay tribute um, payment for services rendered. God instructed that payment should be given because it's God's official. It's God's minister uh, in a um, in a societal sense. And therefore, they deserve our financial support. And so when we accurately report our income, Brother Terry, he's a CPA. I'm sure he encounters some maybe that don't. When we accurately report our income and when we um, when we pay and give uh, pay our taxes that are imposed upon us, we are first and foremost submitting to God. I am saying in paying those taxes, God, you have decreed that this is where I'm going to live and this is the authority over me. And so by yielding to you, I'm going to honestly and ethically pay the taxes that are imposed upon me. And so believers are to pay what the government has required of them. You know, Jesus didn't argue about taxes. He said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Go right ahead and pay for it. Jesus had just had a, a, a pretty good ability uh, to go and, and take the money out of the mouth of a fish. You know, we can't, uh, uh, you know, do that sort of a thing. But, um, but the point of the fact of the matter is um, we are to render to them. That's why I really struggle with uh, testimonies from missionaries who somehow cut deals to avoid import duties. Uh, That's what verse uh, seven is saying. We are to render custom to whom custom is due. In other words, if there is a fee for bringing something into the country and that's how that government functions, who are we to somehow circumvent that particular um, jurisdiction that they have? That's what the whole thing is addressing. And so God has instructed that payment be given to those in authority. And then finally, God's identified 
our response toward authority. At the end of uh, verse 6, uh, uh, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. At the end of verse 5, that we're to do it for conscience' sake. And so, as Christians, not only what we do, but how we do it makes all the difference in the world. Our responses are to be um, appropriate from the heart. Submission is a heart issue. And so it's one thing to um, slow down when I know I'm approaching a speed trap. It's another thing to uh, yield my will to God when no one is watching, when I know that no one is watching, because I should submit for conscience sake and not simply for fear of punishment. Now, very quickly, and we close. When is civil disobedience acceptable? When are we to disobey? When must we disobey? I offer two or three possibilities. And the reason I say two or three, because two of them for sure. And the third one is so remote that you have to be very careful in, um, in what you, uh, in what you offer. The first thing is not on the overhead. When are you to disobey? When the authority is requiring you to actually do something, which is sin. In other words, there's a law passed that you can only have um, so many children and all the other conceptions must be aborted. That's not an, uh, a, a ludicrous law. It's happened in communist China. And so when the government says to you, you must sin, we're making you sin. We're requiring that you sin and violate the will of God. You must say with the apostles in Acts 5, 29, we must obey God rather than men. So when that happens, when you are required to sin, then you have to disobey civil authority. Also, you must disobey when the authority forbids you from doing something which is clearly the revealed will of God. If the authority says um, you, uh, you cannot uh, name the name of Christ, you can't praise him, you can't uh, uh, say that he is part of your life, then you simply have to uh, Resist that and you have to disobey that as well. In other words, when you are being called into a situation of moral compromise, of um, knowingly walking out of the will of God and and um, and they're requiring that. Now, here's the third um, the third scenario. And you have to be very careful about this because it is it's, it's very subjective when obeying would violate your conscience and. For instance, there are some believers who would say, if I do not um, block the barricade, the door in front of that abortion clinic, then there are going to be babies who are going to be killed today. And so therefore, my conscience compels me to do that. Now, the government isn't requiring them to do that. And the government isn't requiring that person to even approve of it. The government in our, in our situation is simply allowing others to. And so you have to be very careful that it is absolutely a matter of ironclad conviction that you must violate the law. And then if you do, then you have to recognize that you'll experience and suffer the consequences for that. And uh, you'll pay for that. But you're doing it as unto the Lord and you're not violating uh, another law, like, for instance, taking uh, the life of the abortionist or something like that, then um, 
then you have to do whatever you're convinced God is leading you to do. That's very rare. That's very remote. The principle is if government requires you to do something that you can't do, then you must disobey. God has established civil authority. He's called his children to be model Christians in submitting, in respecting, in revering, and generally living quiet and peaceable lives for his glory. Lord, I'm thankful for such clear instruction, crystal clear.